Okay, so now it's time for the leader to qualify. Uh, I'm not going to stand because I'm special. I get to sit. Um, a lot of you have heard me speak, and I have had these moldy old photos uh, forever, so I've made some new photos, so I've got two. So I'm going to start them on different sides. Don, can you do that? And Diane, can I give you? There you go. All right. Um, so, like I said, a lot of you have, uh, have heard me before. I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive over and under eater. Um, and I'll, I'll try, to, try to come up with something new to say for those who haven't heard me in, while hitting the old standards for those who have not heard me. Um, my, uh, my story is fairly, fairly typical. I came in here feeling very terminally unique. And, um, you know, I still, I still like to think of myself as, as a unique little snowflake. Um, but, uh, and, and I am, but I, but I also um, share a lot in common with a lot of you in this room. And um, my my story, in a nutshell, is sort of uh, I was born compulsive. I think um, there is anecdotal evidence to support the idea that I was born compulsive, even though I didn't really start to act out with food until around eight years old. And um, coincidentally or not, I think that's when I became aware that things were not uh, really good between mommy and daddy. Um, and I think that that was just my way of kind of coding those nerve endings, that anxiety and, and sadness that I felt. Um, and so I started acting out with food and, and I got bigger and bigger and, you know, I was chubby and then fat and then really fat and then really, really fat. And then I was obese at a certain point. Um, about seventh, sixth to seventh grade was when I was at the highest weight. And, um, you know, one part of my story that I that I will tell because I think it it um, you know it speaks to how serious this disease can get and how um, desperately unhappy uh, it, it can be growing up as a fat kid. And I um, I was my the first like nursery school through sixth grade. I went to the same private school with the same bunch of kids, and I got teased, but we all knew each other, and it. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I spent a lot of lonely afternoons in front of the TV eating after school where other kids were playing. But um, I didn't know how bad it could be until I went to this other school in seventh grade. Um, and none of them knew me, and I was very, very fat. And they were all very uh, much more sophisticated than I was. And so I was really pretty extremely bullied at that school. Um, and I... My distinction between teasing and bullying is that the bullying was premeditated and pervasive and just I was in a, a constant state of anxiety. Who's going to be waiting around the corner and what did they have planned for me today in school? So um, it was a very, very dark year and I, I don't even have that much memory of the year. But toward the very end of the year, I just had it. Uh, there was a group of girls that just. I mean, it just made my life a living hell. And I, I, I brought a knife to school, and I threatened one of the girls. Um, and God forbid if I'd done that these days, I would, I would have a record. But I never entertained fantasies about actually using the knife or hurting the girls. Um, I just needed them to leave me alone. Uh, and um, I got what I needed, which was that I got expelled. And it was the very end of the year, so I sort of squeaked by with grades. And I just got myself out of that situation. And that's how desperate um, that got. Uh, and then I went to fat camp, and I lost most of my excess weight. 
and I was starting at a new school, obviously, because I was kicked out. And I, I thought, maybe I'll have some friends, maybe even a boyfriend. And uh, at the very least, I won't stick out for the wrong reasons. Um, but the one way that my story is a little different than the typical story in here is that I got sick six months later. I got diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And so, again, I was so bodily different than my fellows <laughs> in school. And I was teased a little bit for walking funny and sort of grimacing when I walked. And, and uh, I just felt so different and so um, left out of everything. And I was also, like, really, really seriously pissed off. Um, and I, I was raised without any religion whatsoever. I was raised by intellectuals, and, and we revered art. Um, and we, I was taught, you know, the people that believed in God were just kind of foolish at best and dangerous at worst. And I always sort of rebelled a little by being agnostic. Um, but the only real concept I had of any kind of God was uh, Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. I'm dating myself that a little. I'm, I'm aging myself. Um, but, but that was the story for me. Uh, you know, I lost weight, and I'm going to start start a new life. I wanted to be a different person so badly that I actually had the kids at the at the new school call me a different name. That's how much I didn't want to be the fat kid anymore. Um, and so the the football was being held, and I was promised I won't I won't pull it away this time. It's all going to be good. And there I was in eighth grade uh, with a with a horribly painful disease you guys it was horribly painful especially at first um different being teased being left out and flat on my back with the football having been pulled out from under me so that was really the only concept of god that i had uh if there was a god he hated me <laughs> and he not only hated me he was the bullies because he he lured me in only to crush and humiliate me um, so that obviously had to change when I came in program. Um, so then my, my, my story gets really typical again after that. Um, I, I joke that I was determined that if I was going to be crippled, I wasn't going to be fat too. So I began uh, two or three decades of yo-yo dieting. And um, as I've heard a lot of people share in here, and it's, the truth is uh, it's the same for me, that it, my disease got progressively worse. So the swings of the pendulum got wider and wider. I would gain more weight, and then the methods I would use to lose the weight got more and more extreme. And the amount that I would eat got more extreme, and the methods to, to lose it got, got more and more extreme. And um, that continued for a few decades. And uh, 17, almost 17 years ago, um, I found myself on the way back up the scale. I was not at my high weight uh, as an adult. Um, and I found myself with a pantry and freezer full of uh, the diet club food, um, waking up each morning determined that I was going to, this was going to be the day that I would start and I would stick to it and I would start losing weight again. Um, and then by the evening, my pattern is starve all day, hold out as long as I possibly can, and then around 7 o'clock, the dam would break, and I'd just binge until, you know, I passed out. Um, and that, that happened day after day, you know, nearly 17 years ago. Um, and uh, I would be banging my head on the bar, like, like they talk about in the, in the 
big book, How Did I Get Here Again on the Couch Surrounded by Food, when I was so determined this morning when I woke up. Um, And what was really different for me, I don't know, I can't exactly explain why I was finally at the bottom. I, I reached a spiritual bottom, I think. And I think that's what motivated me to come in. I had sort of audited an OA meeting a couple of years before when I was in a really manic uh, restriction losing phase. And I, first of all, it was a how meeting. And I took one look at the gray sheet and I knew that I was never going to be able to do that. Um, for newcomers, gray sheet is a very specific diet that's very um, rigid. Uh, and um, you guys are talking about being powerless. I didn't believe I was powerless over food. I thought I just needed to hunker down and be more disciplined. Uh, and you were praying and holding hands. And I was like, no, not for me, not for me at all. That was a couple years before I came in program. And then um, I had a, a, the situation. I was seeing a therapist, which was not a great match, but it was better than nothing. Um, I really felt like she couldn't understand me. And one of the things that we like about a program is that it's one compulsive eater helping another. And you you guys get me, even though you might be from a completely different walk of life. Um, This therapist, I laugh about it now, but I was complaining about being so unhappy with how I look. And she said, uh, well, why don't you, you know, do at least the best you can with what you have? you know, look the best that you can, which is not a novel concept. And she said, for example, why don't you wear a bra? And uh, I, um, for those listening on the podcast, I'm I'm a small gal up top. Um, I do have, uh, I do have one training bra, which I call my big girl bra that's slightly padded. And, uh, and I occasionally strap it on and look like a little big girl uh, occasionally. But generally speaking, I'm not a bra wearer. Um, and I just went home. My head was just spinning that night. I went to bed and I, I had a night of soul searching and I, I just thought that she so didn't understand that it wasn't about whether I was wearing a bra or not. It was about this deep, deep, deep core feeling um, that that there was something just so intrinsically wrong and damaged about me. Um, that she, she didn't get me. And I was like, what am I going to do? And for some reason, uh, that night, and I have this imagination of God up in God Central, seeing a blip on the radar, you know, that, that Carol kid, she's open, get in there, get in there. And uh, uh, I had this revelation that this thing that I had with food, whatever it was, um, I had to address it or I was never going to be happy. I was just never going to be functional Whatever this thing was, I, I needed to address it. So I, um, I called up the hotline. There was, I mean, there was Internet in 99, but it wasn't, uh, it was, you didn't Google everything uh, quite so readily back then. I called up the OA, uh, LA office, and I got the outgoing message, and I found a meeting that night, and I went. Um, and I was sort of struck abstinent, and I know some people really hate hearing that, um, just like I hate people, people sharing how they, uh, um, they have, they're living a life beyond their wildest dreams. Like, <laughs> Your dreams must not have been very wild then. Um, but I was struck abstinent. And in the beginning, my abstinence was, was kind of messy. Uh, uh, my pattern was, like I said, was to not eat and then eat a giant dinner. 
Um, and so what I would do is a tiny little breakfast, an itty-bitty little lunch, a really large dinner, and a fairly large snack, you know. But the difference was that there was a beginning, middle, and an end. Um, and uh, I didn't just starve and then binge. Uh, and then about four months in, I kind of um, cleaned up my abstinence a little bit. And uh, some people said, well, how did you... How did you do that? And, and unfortunately, I, I can't really offer, uh, I can tell you what I did, but you're not going to be able to do it, which was that I went back east um, to have some surgery and stayed with my mom for a couple months, and she fed me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you guys, uh, you, I don't, she's not really up for um, having, uh, catering to somebody's every need anymore. She's gotten up in age, so you can't go deal with my mom, but maybe you have your own mothers. But, um so I went back there, and she I was down in the little basement apartment, and so she had to bring me meals. And I was someone who was raised on steamed vegetables and baked meats and not, you know, big, cheesy, caloric uh, meals. And so I would have the tiniest little breakfast because I needed to take, I needed to eat to take medicine in the morning. And... Uh, Ever since I was diagnosed, they would say, do not take this on an empty stomach. Don't take You have to eat. Do not take it on an empty stomach. But I would take it on an empty stomach because I didn't want to get fat. And then at a certain point, my stomach just revolted. And it, it, my doctor said, you're not eat, taking your medicine on an empty stomach, are you? And I was like, eh, kind of, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So I'd have the teeniest, tiniest little breakfast. And my mom, you know, would give me what I ordered, quote unquote, and she'd say, "Want a little fruit with that? Want a little fruit with that? Want a little something more?" Okay, so I got into eating a reasonable size breakfast, and then I would, you know, have a, have a dinner, and she'd offer me, you know, really really healthy uh, foods. And since I couldn't go to the fridge myself and and try to snack or graze, I, I got in the habit of eating. You know, I, I developed a habit, and I've heard people say if you do something for 21 days, it becomes it becomes ingrained in the habit in you. And um, and then when I was on my way back to LA, I realized uh, that I rarely made it home from LAX without stopping at a restaurant. And I got really clear on my addiction to takeout and restaurant food. Um, I would have restaurant meals five to seven nights a week, and I, I definitely could not afford that. Um, and I, I got clear that that was, for me, a binge activity. I eat all foods in moderation. I'm trying to keep track of the time here. Um, I eat all foods in moderation, and for me, it was a lot of behavioral stuff. It was not eating breakfast when I first woke up. It was the constant reliance on, on restaurant food. And I would go to the same little group of restaurants. I would sit in the same place. I would order the same meal. And before abstinence, particularly big, meaty, cheesy, heavy meal. And I would sit there with my magazines and I'd read and eat. And then someone would take away the dishes and I wouldn't have to deal with it. Um, so I learned, um, I learned to feed myself. I learned to shop. Amazingly, at the grocery store, I knew where all the sweet snacks were, all the salty snacks were. And where the Diet Coke was. Um, and there are all these other aisles in the supermarket. And I, I had to really teach myself, you know, how to shop. And, and when I first came back, here's my thing. Here's my thinking, my, my crazy, you know, really sane thinking. Um, I was going to get a food sponsor. And I was going to commit my food for the month. 
because I got I got monthly money. So I was going to say on the seventeenth for breakfast I'm going to have. And uh, there were two food sponsors I knew that were available. One of them had a six a.m. slot available for calls. And if any those of you who know me uh, know that I'm not a six a.m. kind of gal. Uh, and the other was this dude who uh, was my age. He was heterosexual. He was handsome. And he had a really cool, hips-looking cool career. And uh, if you looked in the dictionary under the exact type of person Carol does not want to admit her food to, <laughs> there would be a picture of this guy. But it was either that or 6 a.m. So I called him up, and he said, this is the way I work. You email your food to me uh, either at the end of the day or the next morning. Just tell me exactly what you ate. If you're uncomfortable about any of it, uh, you can write a little bit about it. You don't have to. Um, I won't comment. If you ask me a question, I'll try and answer it. If you, if there's a pattern that you don't seem to be aware of, I may bring it to your attention. But generally, this is a fifth step. You, you send it to me. I don't comment. And I was like, but, but I wanted you to like crack the whip and shame me and tell me what I should do and what a bad girl I'm being. And he was like, darling. He calls me darling. Darling, it's not the way I do it. And uh, I had a moment of, but, but, but. And then I, I said, okay, I'll do it your way. And uh, I have been sending my food to this dude uh, ever since. And the exact nature. I started uh, weighing and measuring. Nobody told me. I did hear some people, you know, say that they did it, share from the podium that it was useful to them. And I would go to, thank you. Um, lovely five-minute sign that you had. Um, and uh, I realized that I didn't know how much I was eating, so I started weighing just to be accurate. Um, and then when I got to the tenth step, I started asking a lot. Something I did early on in programs, I asked a lot of questions. I asked people, what do you eat? I asked people, what meetings do you go to? I asked, how did you figure out a higher power that works for you? Um, which, of course, I... I should try to get back to that so that you don't think I'm still praying to Lucy with the football. Um, and so I, when I got to the 10th step, I asked a number of people, um, how, do you, how did you work the 10th step? And I asked my food sponsor, and he told me about this AEIOU uh, format, and, um, uh, which is you write A is for abstinence, E is for exercise, I, what have I done for myself, O, what have I done for others, and you is supposed to be, what have I uncovered through prayer and meditation? But I usually use it as uncomfortable. Where was I uncomfortable? And then a 10-item gratitude list, and you can't repeat the same thing two days in a row. I said, well, are you willing to take that from me? And he said, bring it on. So ever since then, I've been sending him my 10th step, and it's really the exact nature of my day. And I, uh, the fifth step is my favorite. That's when I click send on that email. Um, First of all, I love the sound of my own voice. love talking about myself. But it, seriously, it, 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 uh, it just clears my day out. I am a compulsive dieter. I am whatever I did yesterday informs on today. And should I be good? Should I be bad? Um, how can I make up for yesterday? How can I continue if I'm really good? Like, you know, white knuckle it and, and keep up the good work. Uh, when I click that, that send button, uh, yesterday doesn't have any power over me. Um, and then I, I'll just... Uh, try to briefly share in the last few days 
my emails to him started bouncing back. And I mean, I have emailed him from the hospital. I've emailed him from the Mediterranean. I hope he outlives me. I want to be in the nursing home at 90, sending my freaking 10 sets to this dude. Um, and the email started bouncing back, and I was so freaked out um, because I just, I've been having a rough week, and I just thought, I, I can't make it without him. Like I, and I know I shouldn't rely on another human being. Um, but I do because he's my way station to whatever higher power there is out there um, so that he and that power can take away the, the sins or the triumphs of yesterday. Um, and I, I reached out to someone who I knew could probably get in touch with him and I got his new email and I have a backup address for him and I was so relieved um, once that finally, once I got that cleared up. I, I just, I really rely on that tool and I, I recommend it. I don't think I... You know, in a couple of weeks, I should be taking Candle for 17 years, and uh, I don't know if I could have done it without him, without that process, that daily fifth step. So um, I have two seconds to talk about God, and uh, that's usually about how much I leave, which my higher power doesn't mind that because I created him. Um, you know, I, I, I had a concept earlier on in program that was more of a personified God um, because that's what I needed then and that's what worked for me. I really, um, I don't think of God as a personified God anymore. For me, it, it's more like Don will share about kind of a universal force. Um, and I, I, I find it really difficult, um, the concept of a, a higher, loving higher power wants what's best for me. Um, right now, that's not working for me uh, very well. It's not much of a fit. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know why a loving higher power wants what's best for me. Wouldn't give me the things that I want more. Um, so a little, little insufferable baby about that. Um, but I do believe in, um, you know, a force of nature where if I'm flailing and fighting, my life is more difficult. Um, but if I'm going with the flow and doing what I know intuitively to be. Uh, what's best for me, what's best for the people around me, um, being of service and uh, taking not self-sabotaging, taking good, loving care of myself, um, then, then my life is easier. Then I am more happy, joyous, and free. Um, and so that, for me, that's, that's kind of where my concept of a higher power is at these days. Um, and, I, and I do pray. I say the serenity prayer a lot. I say the first three steps. I pray before I eat because long, long ago somebody shared that, that it worked for them. And so I tried it and now it's a habit. Um, and I do, uh, I eat three meals a day and a snack. Sometimes I, I eat uh, two meals and a snack. Thanks, I'll wrap up. I don't eat less than three times. Um, and I eat pretty healthy, healthy food in moderation. Um, so I didn't talk about the steps. Uh, I didn't talk about um, the struggles I've been going through lately. You never know what's going to come out of your mouth when you do this. Um, so please ask me about any of that stuff in the question and answer, but I'm out of time. Okay. Thank you. Okay, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. 
Uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. All right. So I totally didn't talk about anything that I thought I would talk about, but uh, let's see what you guys want. Diane? Uh, thank you so much for your very moving share. Can you please speak about how you bring steps six and seven into your life? Uh, how, how do I bring six and seven, step six and seven into my life? Um, you know, step six, and six, six in particular is up in my face all the time because while I was struck abstinent, I was not struck perfect and devoid of all character defects. Um, so my bigger struggles over the years have been with character defects, um, more so than with the food calling me. Um, and, you know, I do the 10th step. I admit uh, when, my char- when I've acted out on character defects uh, to, to an extent that makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I try to turn that over. Uh, I probably could really use, you know, doing a little more asking God to remove them. You know, humbly asking God. To- Six and seven are um, about character defects. And I make a list of. My defects, let me read them specifically so that I know. Six is we uh, were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Um, so, you know, I, I, I bring, it, bring it in by being clear, by having clarity of when I'm acting out on a, on a defect. And some of my big ones are... Uh, um, being controlling, self-sabotaging, staying up too late. I have a candy crush addiction. I eat dinner really late. Um, I, you know, I lose track of my time management, that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm very aware of them. I have the clarity. Uh, and the, the best I can do sometimes is to take, make small, take small steps to um, counteract that 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 gut reaction of, of doing things that I know don't feel healthy and don't feel good to me. But maybe I should be a little more humble and should be asking for help uh, with their removal. Sometimes I use fellows and I'll bookend calls. <laughs> I'll call Nick and say, I'm, I'm going to stop playing Candy Crush by 7 p.m. and I'm going to call you then. And then I stop and I call and, oh, I'm stopping. I'm not happy about it, but I'm stopping. <laughs> Um, so I do, I do occasionally ask for help and get some help on that, but that is an area for more improvement. Thanks a lot for asking. Um, I hope that answered the question. Um, another question? Barbara. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be saying your names, but. Barbara, um, how has your view of your higher power changed from the time just before you came into the program until now? Okay, so the question is, how has my view of a higher power changed from the time just before I came into program to now? Um, well, like I said, before I came into program, it was Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown um, and tricking and humiliating him. Um, when I first came in, that was one of those things that I asked questions. I asked a lot of people, you know, what's your concept? How did you come up with it? And I asked um, this wonderful woman, Mary Pat, uh, the Valley Mary Pat, not the Los Feliz Mary Pat. And um, I told her about Lucy. 
And she said, you need to fire that guy. And I said, can I do that? And she said, yeah. And so I, I had another night of soul searching, and I tried to figure out what, what, what do I need a higher power to be. And um, I remembered this time when I was at summer camp, and oddly, a few weeks back, somebody shared here about a sponsee who called her, her higher power Peggy, and uh, that, that was me. <laughs> um, I remember this girl at summer camp, and we stayed like extra time when there's only a few uh, small amount of campers there. And I was really too young to have gone away, but my older sisters were going, and I wanted to go. And I was miserable, alone, and scared, and missed my mommy the entire time. And that final week, this girl, this 12-year-old girl, came out of nowhere, and she just befriended me. And she, she just kind of took me under her wing, and we were inseparable. And she just loved me and, and wanted to be with me and was there for me. And I felt so loved and safe and, and happy. And I thought, well, that's, that's what I'd like. That's, that's what I'd like my higher power to be. And I had a real problem with using the word God because I grew up sneering at that word. Um, and so I asked my sponsor, uh, the, the girl's name was Peggy, and uh, I asked her, can I call my, my higher power Peggy? And she said, as long as you're not making that specific human your higher power, if you want to use the word Peggy, that, that's fine. And so that's what I did, and that worked for me for a long time. Um, and then... Music, um, and then um, about I don't know around year seven, seven to ten, uh, which Terrell always says that's when it gets really hard. That's when it becomes an inside job. Um, I sort of moved away from that sort of personified thinking of God as a being, and more thinking of just just a universal force, just a, a, a power greater than myself. You know, I can't go down to the beach and tell the waves to stop. So there's something outside of me. Um, and, and trying to be the person that force would have me be, be the best person that I can. Um, and that, you know, it's a work in progress still. And I struggle. I struggle with, um, with believing, that, uh, believing that the universe doesn't either hate me or uh, it's completely disinterested in me, like could not care less about me. So it's, it's a work in progress. So I hope that answers your question. It's Julia. Thank you. Um, can you talk about the difficult week you've had yeah. and what tools you've been using? All right. Moping. Um, my, the, the question was what... Talk about my difficult week and the tools I've been using, and that moping was one of them. But, um, (laughs) yes, thank you for asking that. Uh, Here's the thing, is that when I got into program and I started working the steps and got a little out of the food fog, I became aware, I got clarity that there was no particular weight or pant size that I could get to that would render life rainbows and unicorns all the time forever. Um, that was a real disappointment, but I learned that life has its ups and downs and that that's okay and that that's natural. And I learned to have keep my expectations a little more reasonable. Um, I love the saying, uh, expectations are resentments in, under construction. Um, and a lot of my first fourth step had a lot to do with expectations not being met. So I was like, okay, there's no, life is not meant to be rainbows and unicorns. Um, 
all the time. You enjoy it when it's that way. You wade through it when it's not. However, <laughs> I've sort of clung on to, I have this thing about my birthday, and now um, it's been extended to my birth month because my natal birthday is the beginning of April, and my OA birthday is the end of April, so it's kind of this whole birth month. And uh, I do have some, I'm clinging on to these expectations that April should be rainbows and unicorns. I mean, one month out of the year. Come on. Um, and so uh, I've had a lot of lovely things that I've done with my sis in town and getting together with friends. Um, but there's been some other things that have really bummed me out. Um, had a really nasty conversation with my dad on my birthday where um, he just said something really nasty to me. Uh, and he is suffering from senility and he has his moments. And unfortunately, <laughs> he had a few moments with me. Um, I, I was disappointed by a friend um, pretty significantly and, and just, um, and it's fine. I told him, honey, I'm disappointed. He said, I'm sorry. And then it's over. The only thing left is for me to let go of it, which I'm not always that great at. Um, so, you know, there was no nothing huge or tragic. I just was grumpy and then I was uh, on my birth week and then I was mad at myself for being grumpy and felt ashamed of my feelings which just made me feel more grumpy Um, so I I had that going on and then I couldn't reach my accountability sponsor which is I call my food sponsor now my accountability sponsor so it was uh, it was challenging so what tools did I use Um, you know sometimes it's helpful for me to call call an OA friend and talk it out um, and sometimes that's counterproductive because I, I realized early on, before I was in program, I wanted to tell you all about how uh, upset I was. And then she said this, and then I said, and then she said, and then I said, you know, and just the play-by-play of uh, this horrible injustice that had been done to me. And um, what, I, what I realized in program is that when I do that, it's like fanning the flames of my rage and it just gets me that much more angry or that much more depressed. So sometimes my best tool is to sit in it and wade through it uh, and trust that it'll, it'll pass. And that has been my experience. I've been through some dark times, and they do pass. Um, and, and back to the six and seven thing, one of the things I try to do, there are times when I am toxic. Um, if you call me before noon, you might experience that. Because <laughs> um, I'm like an old car on the East Coast in the winter. i got to run in the garage for quite a while before I'm functional. Um, so I can get very toxic. And one of the things I try to do is to keep my toxicity to myself. And um, I'm often successful at that, but sometimes it leaks out. And then I sometimes have amends to make. Um, so what I did was just to, to know from experience that it's going to pass. Um, I have the clarity to know that I'm grumpy pants because I have these expectations and they weren't met and that, you know, the, the only the, there's no action I can take beyond wading through it and trying not to bleed out onto other people. So I hope that answered your question. You had a question. Okay, uh, um, first of all, happy birthday. <laughs> Birth month. Uh, yes. My question is about what you talked about at the very beginning about how people suddenly said, I had my wildest dreams. <laughs> and, you know, that's me always one of my wildest dreams. Um, my question is, they don't have to be your wildest dreams, but have any of your 
wanted dreams mm-hmm. than just one um, come true. Okay, so the question is, have any of my dreams come true for me? Wanted dreams. Um, let me think. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've had a tiny bit of career success, but it's so, it's so not enough, and I'm not getting any younger, and it really feels like the timetable is not to my wanting. Um, but, you know... Here's the thing, and it's sort of maybe something I wanted that I didn't realize I wanted. Um, back before program, when I was really, because my disease got, got, it was darkest before the dawn, and I was in another manic restriction phase, and I went to see my rheumatologist, who I, he's, we're like an old married couple, I've seen him for 26 years, and he's seen me through all sorts of things, and I see him every few months. And I said, see, do you see my weight? Do you see my weight? My weight's down. Isn't that great? My weight's down. And he said, well, maybe you'll keep it off this time. And I said, no, no, I won't. No, I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll binge back up, and then I have the pleasure of eating all that food, and then I get to lose it again. And he kind of looked at me. He step, took a step back, and he was like, mm, okay. Um, that was when I absolutely, I had given up having power over food. Like, I was pretty clear that I was powerless. Um, and so maybe I... I never, I never knew that I wanted to not be in that manic cycle of binge, restrict, binge, restrict, gain, and losing. Um, I never imagined uh, that I would maintain the same weight. Mostly, I've put on a little weight. That was another part of my crappy week. Um, and I'm taking small, moderate steps toward trying to regulate that a little bit. Um, I never imagined, I was, I was at the point where I never imagined a life where I would stay pretty much the same size and that my, my entire focus wouldn't be about what I'm eating, what I'm not eating, what I can eat, how am I going to get my food, what's the scale going to say, am I going to have to buy more fat pants because I gave them away because I thought I would never get fat again like that complete mental obsession around food. Um, I never dreamed of a life where that wasn't my reality. And, and that, that's been removed. And so, you know, a more humble person might say, that's beyond my wildest dreams. That is beyond my wildest dreams. Um, and that's, and, and, and I, I appreciate it, and it's a gift. And, and uh, if you're new... Uh, that's possible. It is possible to live a life that's not revolved completely around what you're eating or not eating and what size you are and, you know, your goal weights and, and all that other garbage of our mental disease. So I hope that answers your question. Um, probably have time for a quickie. Anyone have a quickie? Or we could just end. I've just answered all of your questions. All right. Well, we can end it. All right. <laughs>